<clears throat> so I feel like the day has been so full. So full. And I really love that the uh, natural unfolding of the sublime states, you know, the Brahma Viharas, as we were talking earlier, you know, before we took a walk. I was thinking about compassion. You know, I, I, I had a really hard time with self-compassion when I was a kid. And even into my like early 20s, you know. I could be compassionate towards others. But compassion <coughs> towards myself like wasn't, just wasn't in my vocabulary. It wasn't in my consciousness. The same as, you know, loving kindness. But actually I remember when I first started a loving kindness practice, you know, immediately what came up was all of the opposites, right? Aversion and anger and all the people that I thought that I hated and, you know, (coughs) all the ways I was harmed. And so actually, starting that loving-kindness practice like we were talking about today really brought me to the compassion practice because then there was all of this suffering that was unveiled that I kind of knew about, but not really. And so I was thinking about how the, how these practices... You know, loving kindness and compassion are really the same practice. You know, it's like two sides of the same coin. And you know, back in uh, the time of the Buddha, the Buddha was challenged often. People would challenge him. Intellectual challenges. And um, at one point, you know, uh, the Buddha was asked what he teaches. Like, what exactly is it that you teach? And the Buddha's response was, I teach one thing, and one thing only, and that is suffering, and the end of suffering. And really that's two things, right? Suffering, and the end of suffering. But just like loving kindness and compassion are two sides of the same coin, I believe you first have to see clearly... And understand suffering. uh, Before we can really have compassion for it. And it takes a tremendous amount of courage. To actually live in a place of compassion. It's not easy. You know, for me, uh, compassion was a scary place. Because it meant, in the same way that loving kindness can mean vulnerability, it meant being vulnerable to my suffering. Acknowledging that which is true. Instead of being in a constant state of denial, which I kind of preferred. You know, they say ignorance is bliss. It's a form of bliss. They call it delusion. So really all of these practices, metta, you know, loving kindness, or uh, I love the way Heather put it, friendliness, 
I think of basic goodness, like seeing the goodness in others, See, uh, having a, a heart of friendliness towards all beings. And then, you know, compassion is really the opposite of that, is not so much seeing the goodness, but seeing the suffering, seeing the challenges, seeing the difficulties with a care. You know, compassion is translated from the, the Pali language, the language that uh, these teachings were written down in, or spoken. There's some debate about that, but whatever. It's the original teachings of the Buddha. The translation is, you know, the quivering of the heart towards uh, other suffering. So it's a quivering, it's a, there's a movement towards suffering. I've always really liked that uh, phrase, you know, that term. So compassion can sometimes be misunderstood as a, a state of being overwhelmed by the suffering of others. And this is where I feel like, uh, yeah, I just, it's just, I feel like it's just a misunderstanding. And I really like that kind of quivering of the heart towards the suffering of others and our, our own suffering. So yeah, I see this idea of being overwhelmed as uh, can be almost like that co- kind of codependence that we talked about. Like I get so overwhelmed with people suffering that then there's a repulsion against them. <coughs> Opening to suffering even just a little bit, our own or others, might mean that we'll be enveloped by it. It's a very real kind of uh, fear about that. Although it's not really what the Buddha meant by compassion. Compassion to me is not this feeling of being overwhelmed by our own pain and the pain of others, but actually engaging. You know, engaging in life with a full awareness of the anguish or the suffering in our lives and the lives of others. So we're learning how to engage. And it doesn't mean fix or take care of. It just means staying right there in contact. So this is the first noble truth. This is the first noble truth from the Buddha's teaching. There is suffering in this world. And really, the Buddha was pointing towards understand it. See it clearly. Because we're so habituated towards the the repulsion or the aversion towards our suffering or the suffering of others and or the grasping to and over-identifying with. I'll maybe get into that a little bit later. So, in a sense, it's, uh, you know, this understanding of compassion is a coming out of denial. It's coming out of denial of the fact that we do suffer. We all suffer in little ways, in big ways, that we all have our ups and downs, our pains and losses. And that there is this universal quality. 
And it, I think it can help to lessen the blow when we can get out of our own kind of self-identified, this is my suffering and I own it and I take it on and I want to cuddle with it. Be so identified with our suffering that we cause more suffering. Or we feel like it's all we deserve. But really these practices are about seeing our innate potential for goodness and friendliness and loving kindness. And our suffering. Seeing it clearly. And engaging with it. And really, what else can you do with it? What else can you do with suffering? Besides engage with it. Be in relation. Seeing it clearly. Compassionately. With understanding. So, you know, a lot of people uh, that I work with and that I have worked with and that I've taught in this kind of, you know, meditation teaching realm talk a lot about trying to avoid suffering at all costs uh, by consuming, right? Consuming drugs, alcohol, products, whatever. And that's the, I think, if we're not engaging then we're trying to avoid. But I feel like there's need, this is where equanimity comes in. This is where the balance comes in. The discernment. Understanding. Okay, so we don't open up completely to all the suffering of the world. Because it is overwhelming. Or to even our own unattended sorrow. But we have to be skillful. I think this is important. So yeah, it doesn't mean avoiding suffering because life is too difficult. Right? But it doesn't mean to be passive either. Right? So I like that, that that way of contact. So there's this avoidance. Right? There's being feeling overwhelmed. right? And then there's having contact. Or not over over identified. One of the things I heard recently that I really liked as a definition of kind of the aversion is uh, selective amnesia about either the suffering of the world or the suffering of others, and that that become that can become. And I think some of the political things that have happened, like this whole occupy everything and everyone is a way of like, oh, like we're not trying to see that there's all this suffering caused by the financial uh, indiscrepancies, the economic kind of hardships of our country. And so there's like this kind of coming to, like coming out of denial of some of that. No, I don't have a real opinion about it either way, actually. I just am seeing that it's like, oh, oh yeah, I just heard the other day. Uh, Obama finally decided to end the war in 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 Iraq. That that's at least that was the announcement. 
So there's this, you know, okay, oh, and then it's like, oh yeah, we're in a war in Iraq. And two other countries, actually. Like, wow, that's a lot of suffering. Yet somehow, you know, it was in the news a few years ago, and then we kind of forget, some people forget. We just go about our lives. That's selective amnesia. It's kind of what I heard the other day and I really liked. So I want to talk about kind of, uh, you know, what can be called the near enemy or the result of avoidance of our compassion or our suffering. So cruelty, pity, and indifference. These are the results of avoidance of suffering. And so when we're avoiding our own suffering and the suffering of others or the, the, the hurt places in other people, which is usually uh, where that rub comes from, that kind of retraction, You know, my friend Noah uh, just wrote in his uh, most recent book, Hurt People Hurt People. And I love that. And he stole it. You know, We like to steal from each other. But hurt people hurt people is an act of compassion. It's seeing clearly the suffering around the hurt. So this cruelty, this pity... This indifference as a result of avoidance. Compassion, you know, is engaging a knowing and wise heart to our suffering. Knowing and wise heart. I love that. And I believe that it was out of compassion that Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha-to-be, actually, you know, uh, left his home and sought out the wisdom of freedom from suffering. It was out of compassion. It's out of compassion that the Buddha decided to teach the Dharma in the first place. Out of seeing you know, all of the suffering beings in the world because of all the clinging that's taking place. And really, in some ways, you know, the, the momentum of compassion is what has carried the Dharma forth. 2,560 years or whatever. So I believe it is compassion that brings us to meditation practice. It's like, uh, you know, I heard this description the other day. So uh, they used to do these psychological tests um, in like early psychology kind of education where you get a, a bucket of ice and a bucket of hot water and a bucket of room temperature water and you would have a student you know, put their hands in the freezing cold and in the super hot and then both hands in the l- lukewarm. You know, and there would be this experience, the, the, uh, the really cold hand would feel really hot in the lukewarm water and the really hot hand would feel really cold and yet it's still lukewarm water so this neutrality is kind of like the way that this compassionate heart can uh, cool our suffering whether it's one extreme or the other 
So, you know, I was raised in an alcoholic and drug-abusing home. And the understanding of that suffering in my own life, in my own heart, in my own experience, has helped me to be able to kind of carry uh, a care, a compassion for others who have suffered through that, that kind of, of pain. And, um, I, you know, in some ways it's really shifted a lot of my life by being able to look at it, to uh, see it clearly, and then to actually uh, uh, dismantle it as not this big, you know, this big wall of suffering and shame and that when I was young it was so prevalent and just caused more and more. It was like, if you've ever been out by the ocean where it's really rough and just one big huge wave after another just keeps pounding you if you've ever been out surfing and stuck then you know that one that's kind of what suffering felt like for me it was just one big wave after another and there was no rest but being able to turn towards it you know and see clearly the waves got smaller So one of the reasons why I was able to... Yeah, feel free. You can close that or not. It's kind of of nice, actually. Exactly. Is this the mosh pit? As I'm talking... Yeah, yeah. Loving kindness mosh pit. I love it. So this, like, loving kindness, compassion, this selfless joy that can often... It, so it's not... This is the other thing about the Brahma Viharas, right? The, the, the teachings of the heart, you know, freedom, from, freedom of heart, is so much about seeing how... Okay, so we acknowledge our own suffering and the suffering in, in others. And then we also acknowledge the joy in others. Right? So there's a balance. Because we can't just be constantly looking at suffering all the time. Otherwise, we will feel overwhelmed and we will avoid as a natural reaction, an instinctual reaction to life and to suffering, is to avoid it. But instead to, to turn toward it in a knowing and clear way. It's what mindfulness asks us to do. It's what this, this practice asks us, asks us to do. So true compassion you know, is the ability to hold your suffering and the suffering of others in a knowing and balanced way. You know, uh, seeing the difference of pain and suffering, it's crucial. Pain being the incident or action. So pain being the incident or action. Um, I think that it's really important to know the distinction. And then that suffering... Be, you know, being the attachment to the experience of pain. So, pain is really the thing that's mandatory in life. Like we're not, none of us get, none of us gets out of life unscathed. But how we uh, react to it, how we respond to life's painful circumstances, is really the difference. 
between what's called pain and suffering. And this is really what the Buddha was pointing to. is So recognize that they're suffering and then see how we cause it for ourselves as we cling to these experiences. And you know, like, I, I love what Heather said earlier about, you know, that this is a, it's not our fault. No one's to blame here. And we like to blame ourselves. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Oh yeah, it's about letting go of being attached to our suffering. Yeah. But until we realize that, we don't know that. I didn't know that. No one ever told me that. I mean, eventually someone did. And I beat myself up for a couple years about how horrible I was. I should have figured it out a long time ago. And then I really started working with compassion. That's actually right about the time. It took a lot of suffering. And a lot of me seeing what's called dukkha dukkha, right? Suffering of suffering. So this, I, I have suffering in my life and then I create another layer of suffering in my reaction to the suffering that's already created. Instead of just really looking at tending to the wound, as can be talked about in you know, some, some of the Buddha's teachings, there's this whole thing about the, it's like the parable of the dart. The Buddha's giving an example one, one time about how we cause suffering for ourselves. And basically life, life is, you get stabbed with darts sometimes. Arrows, darts, call it whatever you want. There's a few different stories about it. But the reality is that life is painful. There's painful experiences. And that compassion is actually tending to that first wound. And then the suffering is when, in a way to avoid that first, that first pain, painful circumstance, we cause more, we stab ourselves. Like, oh, I'm going to avoid this pain. I'm going to stab myself over here. And this, is, this was a way that the Buddha described. Dukkha, dukkha. And really, you know, remove the darts. And we do this all the time. You guys have already talked about it today. The the layer of judgment and criticism that we put on our on ourselves. So we're going to work with this uh, in the next you know in the next sit. We're going to work with this kind of understanding of compassion, this kind of looking towards the suffering of our hearts and minds. And I feel like, uh, you know, maybe we'll actually end the day with a kind of a hybrid of uh, loving kindness and compassion as a practice. I'm sure that, you know, Heather and I already do this, actually, as a practice. I guess that's just it's enough. I just kind of wanted to like shed some light on this understanding of kind of okay, what is compassion, and how can we act compassionately in the world? Well, with a knowing and clear heart, we can engage in the suffering of others, and we can do that. This is a piece I forgot. We can do that 
without having any expectation or any need to take care of the other. Like, I think that's important to understand. I think people that's another place where people get confused, and that's where that sense of, I'll be overwhelmed, is I have to somehow do something about all of the pain in the world. That's huge. And this is where uh, equanimity comes into play. Because equanimity is really acknowledging that there's always been war, there always will be war. That uh, this, th- that there is suffering in this life, in this uh, world of samsara, this realm of living and dying. And that all beings are heirs to their own karma. And that, that like we can't figure that out for other people. And we can't take, we can't make other people heal, not be hurt. We can do our best to not cause harm. But we can't necessarily take other people's pain away. And really, uh, uh, a heart of compassion that is also balanced with equanimity sees that and can still be engaged, still have contact, be loving and kind and wish well and care without having to do it for them. Like, I heard this story once that I just loved about the splinter of suffering. This teacher uh, looked down out, out of a big crowd and said, You know, I wish that I had. I wish I had the ability to remove the splinter of suffering from all of your minds. I wish I had that ability. But I don't. Only you do. That's the beauty of it. Only you do. We can show you this particular way. But we can't do it for you. Oh, so, yeah. So that's enough for now, I think. I just want to uh, say we're going to. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.